Pod Pit Podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. For episode archives of Pod Pit and all of the shows on the network, visit us at www.podnose.com. You can also follow us on Twitter via at Podnose or send us an email via admin at podnose.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Pit, the podcast about podcasts, and I'm your host, George Grimwood. Never Not Funny is the podcast cited by many to have been the show that inspired fellow comedians to produce podcasts of their own. Hosted by Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap, the weekly podcast began back in 2006 and is the perfect example of thoroughly entertaining and consistently hilarious freeform conversation. As a frequent listener myself, Never Not Funny is not only a constant source of utter joy, but at times a much-needed comfort. By subscribing to the podcast via www.podcast.com, that's P-A-R-D-C-A-S-T.com, and becoming a member of the Players Club, you get to see the video of the episodes as they were recorded, as well as exclusive bonus episodes. Jimmy, Matt and the Never Not Funny team also produce and perform an annual podcast-a-thon, raising funds for Smile Train, the cleft lip and palate children's charity. A towering non-stop performance of the show running in recent years for 12 hours straight and very soon due to increase in those hours, the marathon of the entertainment is not only great fun but has proven a fantastic feat in fundraising and essentially doing good on a larger scale. I met with Jimmy in Los Angeles in September 2016, discussing podcasts, comedy, and, with the election looming, and continuing to do so at the time of this recording too, politics. Jimmy, hi. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. I've just had a delicious lunch, and I'm admiring uh, the silver of your headphones, so I'm in great shape. Excellent. Concerned that the light from the window may bounce onto my head, or the silver, and blind you in some capacity. Luckily, it's a little overcast today. I think on a, if it was a regular Los Angeles sunny day, I'd be in uh, tough shape. But uh, yeah. I think we're going to be okay, George. Yeah. I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting used to all the whole area myself. I've kind of traveled all, all around different parts of Los Angeles now and uh, really just finding that this it's very it's far more spread out than I anticipated. Where are you staying while you're here in town? Sunset Boulevard. The UCB Theater is right down the street there. Yeah. The Airwolf Studios are right there. 99 cents still. Yeah, go in there, get yourself some toothpaste. Win, win, win. You call it toothpaste? What do you call it over there? Uh, toothpaste. Oh, you do it? Yeah. Standard, uh, just American. Yeah, toothpaste. But don't you have other names? Lift for elevator and stuff like that, so I'm not crazy to think that you'd call it something different. Yeah, I mean, I've never called uh, toothpaste an elevator, but yeah, I mean... I, I, I didn't even... mean that as an example. George, how dare you? You bring me into your land and you embarrass me? Is well, this to get back for us winning that war a couple of hundred years ago? Well, I, I think it's for the forthcoming potential uh, political scenario. But uh, we, we, we don't talk politics. You don't. But I do have a question. So in England, when you hear of a Donald Trump running for president and possibly winning, he has a chance. Are we the laughing stock? Is it just a, like, can you believe this reality star billionaire? And I put billionaire in quotes because I don't buy it. That uh, I- It's a good question because I must admit I'm speaking for the 48 percent here who voted stay in Europe. It was very close. It was 48%, 52%. A lot of people that I'm aware of, the people who voted out, uh, didn't know why they were voting They didn't understand out. why they were voting it, yeah. right? Yeah. So it it's reflects that, certainly. And yeah. The, the guy, the British guy who's come over here to say, I support Trump, Nigel Farage, um, is a joke. 
And, he, and he's, the, he's the guy that, like, uh, was doing all the press conferences after the Brexit, right? And, yeah. And just, like, even, like, watching him going, why would anybody listen to this guy? Yeah. But, is- but again, you're right. It's a great comparison to when you see what Donald Trump is. Why would anybody listen to this guy? Like, it's crazy. And hopefully it will only be 48% that vote for him. Hopefully we will be on the good side of that number as opposed to you. Yeah, what I found, I mean, the reaction to it was like sort of 1950s communism. There would be people who are great friends for years on, you know, talking on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter. And then suddenly they, you know, say, oh, well, I'm voting out. And why, why are you voting out? And they'd say, oh, well, you know, to keep immigration down and things like that. And then it would spare into this sort of slightly racist and slightly non, like they don't know the reasons behind it. Right. And suddenly people were falling out all over the place. And it's like, oh, you're you're an outer, are you? You're an inner. It was that kind of Interesting. atmosphere. And, well, that's certainly happening here, too. I, mean, I don't know if I've lost friends, but you know, I, I know that I took a large broom to some people and swept them off my Facebook page, people I've known for 30, 40 years. I don't need to read their hate. Yeah. You know? And and, you know, and this isn't, in, the, in our case, it's, it's, it's not about policy this year. It's about, you know, whether you like Hillary Clinton or not. It's, uh, you're, you're, if, you're, if you're literally voting for... I, I don't know how you could listen to him be, run his mouth and say these racist, bigoted, xenophobic things and go, that's my guy, without me going, why would you defend that? Not defend. Why would you? I can't think of a word, George. I'm panicked. Justify? Support. Thank yeah. you. Support. Justify. Thank God you're here. Thank heavens you flew in. Is that a direct flight? It it was, although we we were on the way to New Zealand, apparently. Oh. Uh, and the, on the way back, it was had to be rescheduled because Comedy Bang Bang decided to come the one time they've come to london it's it was on the the night i was getting back so i had to move it a day forward to, are they there right now uh they're going to be over there as of the weekend i think yeah. i had no idea they were even going over there well i sincerely hope that never not funny follows suit at some point well in the future. I, I know you said something off the air that we uh, would have an audience there and uh you know i mean but that's a lot of time and money commitment to go there on a on a maybe you know yeah maybe maybe a crowdsourcing thing to See, and if we meet uh, X amount of money, we, we make the trip. Yeah, that'd be great. That might be the way to do it. Maybe I should talk about this off the air as opposed to me doing it on your show. You have questions. Well, it could I be. I feel horrible. I consider that as an exclusive. There you go. There we go. But, yeah. uh, but it, uh, and again, as I told you out there, I've not been there since 2000. My only time was over in London, 2007, mm-hmm. to shoot uh, The World Stands Up. Mm-hmm. And I went to see uh, Spring Awakenings, I believe was the play that I went to see when yes. I was there. Duncan Sheik is uh, the, the guy behind that who did the American Psycho musical yeah. as well. I think it was Spring Awakening. Is that what I saw? It's quite erotic. In some respects. May not have been that. I, I have seen that. No, I saw that here in the States. What did I see there? It was, we enjoyed it. Um, was it uh, Matilda the Musical? No, this is, again, it's, uh, 2007. And it was oh. not a... I had never heard of it, but it was getting, you know, you know it got rave reviews over there. Good notices. Uh, um. And then the next time my wife went to see Cabaret, but I couldn't because I had to do some uh, a, a tech rehearsal. What, was it a, mu- a musical specifically or was it a... It may have been a musical. Hmm. 2007. But I don't think it was a happy one. I think it was a very somber, I don't remember, it may have been Spring Awakenings. When did you first discover podcasting? Uh, it was uh, Ricky Gervais. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had the podcast, uh, boy, it's been so long since I've listened to it, with uh, Pilkington, does that sound right? Carl Pilkington. That's the one. And Stephen Merchant, of course. And loving it and thinking it was hysterical and laughing like an idiot and not knowing that it was uh, something that was going to be uh, A, around a while, or B, my life. So I discovered that, and then uh, I would listen to Old App and Costello, because there was not a lot of podcasts, comedy podcasts anyway, about 10, 11 years ago. Mm. And then when Matt Belknap, who is now my co-host and producer of 10 years, approached me and said, why don't we turn your 
live talk show at the UCB Theater into a uh, podcast. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but okay. In fact, there's a clip on YouTube, I believe, of me talking about, and I'm returning tonight's episode into a podcast. I'm not sure what that means. And then I kind of riff about having a cassette player or whatever, and it's uh, very, very funny. But uh, that episode ended up not being a podcast because it was like that it didn't work. Mm. And so uh, then I said to Matt, why don't we just try doing this like a radio show at my house? And much the same way you and I are now, we're talking over a table, holding microphones, and and then it, it worked. So, like, that was it. And I didn't really... Other than Ricky Gervais, I didn't really listen to any other podcast, even serious ones or tech one, nothing. I got into it, and here we are. Do you have the time now to listen to podcasts whilst you're hosting your own one? I don't. I don't. I listen to Phil Hendry. I don't know if you listen mm. to him at all. Yeah. Uh, he's a genius. And I listen, I've been listening to the uh, Jackie and Laurie show, uh, Jackie Cation and Laurie Kilmartin, uh, who are two brilliantly funny stand-ups here in the States. And they basically talk about the craft of stand-up comedy through the eyes of a woman, a woman being in stand-up. And what I've really discovered by their podcast is that I've basically been treated like a female comedian my entire career. And um, I've had, I know a lot of dudes that have been had an easy path of it. And it's only the last maybe seven to ten years that I've had a quote-unquote easier path of it. But I remember when I started out, I mean, I was I seemed to be working a lot harder than everybody else to get gigs and to get on t- television or do whatever and when i hear their stories it reminds me a lot of you know my career and now you know jackie's got the dork forest which is very popular and you know, laurie writes on conan but it's a great podcast if you love the craft of stand-up comedy it's a great podcast and that might be it i mean of course i got tied up in the uh when serial first came out with the with adnan's trial and all that stuff mm-hmm. i got sucked into that world and i know john crier is now involved with a uh some sort of a crime podcast that whenever he tweets about it it's like i gotta listen to that I've become obsessed with the with this election coming up, so I'm listening to a lot of talk political radio, political talk sure. radio. So, but maybe when that's gone, you know, come November nine, and hopefully our world doesn't end, uh, or at least our country, maybe I'll branch out and start listening to some more and uh, and see what happens. I'm gen- genuinely curious. Is that obviously Trump and politics? In, you know, is a massive hub for satire and and comedy. Mm-hmm. In the event that Trump was to become president scary thing to even say out loud yeah where does that leave comedy if the president is literally a long-running joke where does that leave well, kind of the atmosphere I, I admittedly i've never been a guy who like even when and the reason i bring this up is you know george bush was a punchline uh, certainly in liberal circles and maybe even more and maybe it was the way i grew up or whatever but even when i didn't agree with the president or if he was a jackass like everybody says that george bush was i had respect for the office and that's kind of just the way that I saw the president. So, but there was a lot of comedy in the '90s because of him, you know, or the or early 2000s rather, because of the '90s with Bill Clinton, which again, a lot of people saw as a joke because of the Lewinsky thing and what you know whatever he did. So, I think that there could still be humor. I'm worried that he may change this country so much, and that the alt right, and where we feel like we can't say anything, even though their whole thing is. You know, I'm, we're sick of political correctness. People should be able to say whatever the hell they want. Well, until we say something, and then all of a sudden they're bent out of shape. So I'm wondering, are we going to be afraid to say things? Are we going to be afraid to even walk down the streets? And what? I don't literally, is it going to be Blade Runner? What the F is going to happen yeah. if this guy wins? I mean, I mean that sincerely. So it could either be, uh, I, I, hopefully it'll just be four years of, well, let's just get this over with and not, you know, I, I, hopefully every store doesn't close and. You know, where people are, you know, uh, boiling shoes again to eat. I mean, I hope it's none of that, you know. Yeah. 
So I don't know what it's going to be comedically. I, uh, I, I hope I hope if he wins, it's like what happened with George Bush, and we just go about our lives, and, oh, here's this guy that we could do sketches about. You know what I mean? Yeah. I hope that was an answer. I don't know. Yeah, no, completely. I, I, in a way, actually, whilst you're saying, I, I felt bad for, for solely focusing on the comedy aspect of it, and because obviously it is a massive, massive issue generally. Right. Um, then again, I, I would sincerely hope that if, if it does end up being set something like it was with um, Brexit in the UK with uh, 48 and 52, that maybe... Um, your forty, your good forty-eight, and our good forty-eight can join forces and just set up, set up shop somewhere else. Well, we be have, fine. But uh, boy, that's a lot of uh, <laughs> that's a lot of airplane tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of Skype calls. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, you know, I mean, oh, with President Obama, we haven't had there, there hasn't been a lot of comedy at his expense. You know, it's been, you know, I, I do think that people felt that their hands are a little tied because he's African American or. I guess that's really the only reason. It's like I think everybody was afraid to do any sort of jokes because it'd be perceived as racist, but or bigoted, you know. So we, you know, we just attacked the the right nonstop, and maybe this is this is the payback for it. Yeah, it, it's sort of all coming back back around. Yeah, the insight I've have had with Obama, I mean, certainly in in the UK for me personally has been aside from as as president is that he's the guy who will go and do between two ferns. He's the guy who will do Marin. He's the guy right. He, he's the guy who'll do the talk shows and with the amazing wife and with you know who who's so eloquent with her speeches and yes and there's really. Nothing to attack. Really. There really, I mean, I I don't think there is. I mean, obviously, the the people that don't agree with his policies think that he's nothing but a joke. Sure, but I'm with you. Like when he does those uh, the correspondence dinners, I mean, that guy delivers a written joke like a professional comedian. Mm. It'll be amazing to see what he does after he leaves office. Will he? Uh, you know, I mean, if he if, if he goes into public speaking like they all end up doing, I guess the president's. You know, he's going to make a bundle because. Like, even when he was on Marin, like, you know, I don't listen to podcasts, like I just said, but I listen to that one because it's the president in a garage talking to a clown. And I say clown if, to, for comedian. And it was like, I didn't want Mark to say a word because I can hear, I can listen to President Obama talk forever because I just like his cadence and the way he speaks. And, uh, and I just find him fascinating. And yeah. he's funny. Yeah. He's, he's consistent. Uh, it's what I've, I found as a, as a, for want of a better description, a performer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, yeah, it's an interesting time generally at the moment. And obviously, I, I hope obviously all the all the best. Um, Thank you, George. For you know, we'll uh, do the best we can over here. Well, and, and if in doubt, you know, there's always my door's always open in the UK. You're welcome to come around for a cup of tea. Why would I come know? over there? The Brexit's going to uh, ruin you guys. Oh yeah, we've, we've got some sanctuaries we can still hide okay. in. You know, we, but there's still there's still a lot of underground bunkers that haven't been bought. You know, so. all right, we'll go there then. Yeah, they're great. Sure. You know, they've they've still got the endless supplies of you know canned goods. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, powdered uh, turkey and stuff like sure. that. You know, so which is how you want your turkey. Space just, food. You want it powdered. Yeah. Yeah. Just do a line of meat. <laughs> yeah. Just, sure. Just be easy, easy enough. Yeah, snort your dust uh, and snort your bird, sure. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think I, I, I've i always been kind of intrigued about uh, investigating one of those bunkers and thinking, could I legitimately live there and how long could I? I think that'd be quite a good, you know, they do all these reality TV shows. Stick someone in a bunker and don't film it. Don't film it? <laughs> don't film it. Just uh, just sort of have this guy just standing at the entrance, just wondering how he is. Just, you know, just put it, put him on the... On the outside, just sort of a contemplative moment. So could do it and just knock occasionally, and if they knocks back, is fine. He's doing okay. They just go off. You don't yeah. want to put any hidden camera in there, but, but that's a if the reality show. We need to see something. Well, you, you could what, go. Are we just waiting for that knock. We well, could go one of two ways. You could you could either have a reality TV show where they think it's being filmed, and the camera's there, but it, oh, we didn't plug it in. Sorry, mm-hmm. and then it just sort of becomes a whole other thing. Or or alternatively, you could have it where yeah, it's switched off, and you just really. 
you're kind of it would be a one-off event i think rather than the whole show because it'd be quite brief so you just come back a week later and you know either you lift it up and he's oh no, you we know, lost him we lost, yeah so i'll just put someone you else th- you think it'd be a week though i think uh i mean i guess it's like solitary confinement i think you, yeah you just go nuts right I, I think I think if it was pimped out, I think you'd need to pimp out your you bunker. You want to pimp it out, huh? A little uh, MTV cribbit? Yeah, pimp your bunker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, Let's pitch that show, George. I think it'd be good. Right? Yeah, yeah. put them in there. Um, they can pick, you know, 10, 10 records, 10 books, mm-hmm. uh, 10 box sets, 10 films, you know, and, and a plug, obviously, somewhere. Um, That's a given. Yeah. That's a given. Maybe a TV if they're nice. There's an article, I think it was early 2000s. It was in, I want to say Japan, uh, maybe China one or the other but they put out this audition they said uh, an advert and saying um, we need a, someone talented to uh, come and get involved with this talent show and on television and so this guy comes and auditions and he calls himself eggplant or whatever the equivalent of eggplant is in the language I think the story goes without telling him anything they put him in a crate they move him to a room they tell him to take all his clothes off and as it turns out long story short he ends up being in there for a year and a half in the crate Oh, in, in this one room, in this one room. They said that occasionally they move him from room to room with a crate. If they At one point they moved into a whole country and he didn't know. What? Because he said his name was Eggplant or the character's name was Eggplant. They Every time he was new, they would just cover that area with an egg, with uh-huh. a, you know, emoji of an eggplant. And uh, which I think maybe maybe why that's an emoji. That might be where it comes from. You think from. that's your original emoji? That's my theory. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All I, right. Because that's a very niche emoji generally. I mean, to have an eggplant. I'm not using the eggplant. I very rarely have used the eggplant emoji in my yeah. text messages. Yeah, I've no reason. I've no reason to use it. It's like having a Scotch egg. You know why would you? I don't even know what that is. What's a Scotch egg? Oh well, it's 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 like a boiled egg, but like a like a cold boiled egg. But but, it's, but you soak it in, in scotch. Well, oh that well that well one on the side would be amazing. It's uh, like kind of mince meat with bread around it. Oh, uh, that sounds horrible. It's it's it depends where it's from. If it's one from if it's one that's homemade and it's sort of you bite into it and it's the eggs runny and it's. Sort of, oh, oh, stop talking. Uh, not, oh, not your cup of tea. Oh God, I don't like eggs to begin with. And then to say runny just kind of nauseates me. Is this as bad as bare feet on planes? Well, it's close. Yeah? It's close. But, but, but bare feet on planes, I could turn my eyes away from. I could divert my eyes. But the food, if it's in front of me, I can't. Uh, no. Okay. Gross. I'll, I'll move away from Good the God, scotch George. Go back. Oh, love God. Put the kid back in the crate. And... Yeah. So we'll, we'll go back to the uh, eggplant. And uh, and so, yeah. And so uh, all this time, he was it was became the biggest thing on television out there. It did. Huge, huge. And he and they gave him pen and paper and he was writing his thoughts and they would take the paper away from him when he'd sort of filled a notebook and it ended up becoming this so when he came out eventually it was massive he was number one bestseller so all the money was just being made whilst he was living out this life and he had no idea that he was even being filmed he had no idea the entire time and eventually uh, it got to the point where um, you know they I think I think the final time they moved him he thought he was just being moved to another room so he was just like they threw a suit and he was like no no it's he just no declined you know and then, uh, you know, all the pieces of the box came down, live audience, cameras, and apparently the look on his face, you can see it online, apparently is just one of, you know, because he hasn't seen anyone for the last year and a half. Right. And that was his life, and, you know, he's doing well now, and, I mean... Would he shave as this would go on? Did he grow a beard? Did he... I think... End up looking like Howard Hughes? I mean, what, what, what happened with this guy? I think, uh, from what I remember, he did end up growing his hair and his facial hair long, uh, for the most part. I think maybe perhaps once or twice they gave him the option to do so, which he may have taken... In part, but mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think he was quite. When by the time he came out, he was sort of like a you know desert island, right? You know, sort of. I would imagine. Yeah, but I, I almost, I personally suspect that's where the concept for the film Old Boy came from a little bit. What what film? Old Boy. 
Nope. Uh, that's a great film. They remade it with Spike, uh, Spike Lee remade it, and that's that's not the one to see. Okay. Um, you want to see the original Korean, I believe it's Korean, uh, Old Boy, and it's about this guy, and um, yeah, he, he gets he gets picked up from uh, by the side of the road. He's put in uh, this one room for seven years, I believe, and then he, he comes out, he's unexpectedly not knowing why he's there, uh, been put there in the first place, and he's been told, he's then told that he's got one week to find out why or, or or something will happen um without giving too much away it actually ends up being a very good film quite a violent film okay i mean the first i mean going back to food and i do apologize in advance and i know you're not a sushi fan necessarily i do not care for it no uh well, the first thing he does i think the argument the reason in his mind being he wants to a taste he wants to taste something alive after being being so you can see where this is going it's like a whole live squid nope nope one take <sighs> yeah Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. No, I don't. You're not a cooking show. You're not, uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Although, if I wanted Survivor or something like that, like one of those TV shows, I, 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 I mean, out of necessity, I would have to eat something like that to get through the 39 days and get my million dollars. So, I, what would be, what would be your limit, though? What would I don't be- know the answer to that. I don't know. I, I almost want to go on there to find out. Like, I, like if I ever made a submission tape to go on Survivor and, it would be, you know, because uh, I'm awkward in social settings. I don't know how to talk to people unless there's a microphone in front of my face. And uh, I don't eat challenging things like that. Bugs gross me out. Rats gross me out. Like everything that would happen on Survivor, every, I'm, I'm against all of it. Yeah. But I would kind of like the idea of challenging myself to do it. But I don't know what my limit would be. Would I bail after three days? Would I be the guy that quits? You know, who knows what I... I I think that's the thing is that I, I like I do like the shows like Survivor and everything, but over in the UK it's oversaturated hugely since Big Brother um, began. Yeah, Big Brother was huge for you guys, right? And then it came over here. Yeah, although it, Survivor was over there first too, right? Survivor came by, but we also have I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Yeah, boy, that failed huge here. Yeah, it's huge. It failed. I really wish it would fail over there. It's, oh, really? You're tired of it? I'm very. It's not that I'm anti reality shows. I like them if they have a serve a purpose of kind of an experiment. Mm-hmm. And I think after the first two, maybe even first series of, of Big Brother, it became a freak show. As in, they they purposely targeted people who have some kind of instability, right. or, or obsession with celebrity, or narcissism and it just really really was just horrible to see and the irony was is that eventually they started doing Celebrity Big Brother which consisted for the most part of other reality TV winners oh is that right yeah. and then what, but wasn't Leo Sayer on one of those Isn't there, didn't he famously try to quit and then yelled at people or something am I, th- I, am I wrong I, it, I, it rings a bell I, I, anyone who's come on there for the most part has not come off well eventually as far as I'm concerned how could um, you you're locked in a room I, I mean Big Brother's become that here too like it's uh, you know the first season I think was good and then it became casting yeah I mean, it was always casting but you know it, it, it seemed like it was just a group of people in a house but now it seems like this guy's manic depressive this guy's a psychopath this guy you know and it's like yeah, yeah I don't need to watch people that are were cast to do you know what i mean yeah i mean the thing is i think that's the thing as well finding because we used to be quite big on our documentaries and I, I i think we we still are but in in very tiny pieces now whereas because it's because the whole market is oversaturated reality television and we were very much behind in terms of having terrestrial television and then satellite television mm-hmm. and cable so really up until in theory I mean, only a limited amount of people had a few extra channels up until the early 2000s oh really we only had five channels up until about you know, give or take most people had it up until about year 2097 somewhere in between mm-hmm. uh and now it's it's very everything's spread very thin you know so if you want a fishing channel there's a fishing channel things like that right the, the irony of that perhaps is that with podcasting you can get as niche as you like without losing your audience because yeah, yeah, yeah. they come to you right 
in in terms of starting up the podcast, was there anything that kind of when when you weren't too sure what it was becoming, mm-hmm. was there anything in particular, any moments where you felt that you had to create a specific format or, or kind of do any parlor games or anything like that? Where the first year when when Mike Schmidt was on. And he was my, you know, uh, the co-host for the first year, along with Matt producing it, and kind of the third banana. We would have a, we would have a guest on every four episodes, uh, but for the most part, it was just telling stories and kind of doing, you know, uh, you know what basically here was morning radio and guys talking and having fun and whatever. And then when Mike left, we did start adding stuff like you know, stupid question of the week, where people can tweet in or write in a stupid question, and we would answer it and go around the table. We might have done that with Mike. Now I think about it, but. We'd go around and we'd all give our answer on, you know, this stupid question. And then we added Judge Jimmy. Uh, I was not aware of Judge John Hodgman at the time. And that uh, was a segment over on Jesse Thorne's show. And we added Judge Jimmy where, if, hey, if you have a problem, I'm, I'm more than happy to solve it. And then we got way too many emails telling us that we were ripping that off unbeknownst to us. And so we dropped that. And then now we play a game called Sevens, which a fan created a, an app. And uh, so we have that segment where, you know, at the end of it, uh, maybe a little too much. At the end of our episodes, we'll play a quick couple of games of sevens where, you know, you're just listening to people play a game. But oddly enough, we never had – maybe everybody's complaining privately, and I don't know about it, but I haven't heard it. People seem to enjoy it. Uh, so I don't know. We, it's still – we've kind of – we're kind of doing the same show. If anything, we've gotten looser, you know, less uh, worried about the time, less worried about formatting. It's like I think 10 years in, you got to assume if anybody's listening to you, they're there because they like you. Yeah. And they like that you're – willing to waste time googling something and laughing about how you can't find it on google or whatever as opposed to okay let's edit that out or let's do this or let's you know let's pull that out because that wasn't interesting we we don't really do any of that you know we just kind of our show is our show as if it's going out live uh but you're getting it a day and a half later i guess I mean, I, as a subscribed member to the show as well, I mean, I, I kind of work through things chronologically generally. So what I do is I listen to the most recent shows as and when I can, but in the in the between, I'm I'm actually slowly going through the archives. The back catalog. Yeah, uh, like from, from day one onwards. So I was wondering, because there's such a, a vast archive now as well, mm-hmm. do you have any particular gateway episode that you would say Boy, for a new listener? that's a great question. You know, I wish I had an answer for this. I don't. You know, I would say... Any John Hamm episode, like if you want a famous person, I know everybody likes to get, he gets attracted to the celebrity. Any of his are great because, you know, John, when John comes on our show, he's just my friend, John, like any of my other friends. You know, when we first started the podcast, and, and this speaks a little bit to what you just asked me, the previous question, it was my friends and people that nobody had ever heard of Mike Schmidt, but nobody ever really heard of me, you know, and, but I had an audience with the Bob and Tom radio show, which is popular here in the States. And uh, then iTunes took a liking to us and kind of helped us build an audience, but we nobody heard of Pat Francis, and nobody heard of Mike Schmidt, and nobody knew who Graham Elwood was, and even Scott Aukerman. Nobody really knew who Scott was yet, or Paul F. Tompkins. Like they had followings, but not, you know, uh, not that I'm, not, I'm by no means am I saying that I broke them or discovered. But same with John. Like John Hamm was just a friend, hmm. and uh, then we slowly got into, and admittedly, competitively against Marin and Hardwick, who were getting famous people, and was like well what do we do do we do we start to book people we don't know and make make our show part of the you know the uh the promotional train you know where somebody's out promoting a movie we're just one of their stops and so we tried to go with that trend for a little bit and it wasn't us that's not our bag and you know we're so we went back more into our friends the first ty burrell uh janet varney's first appearance is great the John, you know, any of John Hams are, are fun and, you know, you get to see him be silly and crazy. And I guess, I don't know. I, I, I really should have a definitive answer on what 
episode best you know reflects what we're doing today? Well, I, I think for what it's worth, I, th- I think the benefit of Never Not Funny being there early on when it was evolving over here for the, the sort of podcast scene, certainly on the West Coast, mm-hmm. is that if, if someone is a fan of Comedy Bang Bang or the Pod F Tumcast or Spontaneous Nation or the JV Club, there are all these uh, shows that with them early on, mm-hmm. in some cases they hadn't yet started. Yes, they had not. They, or you're yes. So, so in a way, you, you you've got the kind of how-to guide because of the, all the, the the audiences all cross over. So, or it's the how to, it's the how, how not to guide. You know, like because I like Paul left Tom both of his shows, like you said, uh, the Paul Tom guests are uh, spon- I, this, I can never say it. Spontaneous nation, no, spontaneous nation, spontaneous nation. Nothing like what I do. You know, I mean, nothing at all like our show. And and you know, Janet's is more interviewee, and uh, the JV Club and Scott's all character driven. So. But I know here in the States, at, le- at least, maybe worldwide, there's a lot of Never Not Funny knockoffs. And again, I I'm ba- I basically kind of just ripped off morning radio, so I'm not saying that. But there's a lot of people I know that's like, well, Jimmy Pardo just shows up with his friends and riffs, and it's it's my favorite podcast. I don't laugh harder than I do with Jimmy Pardo for an hour and a half. I can do that. And then they wonder, then they do it, and nobody responds to it. And it's like, uh, well, I don't know why I didn't get an audience. Hmm. Maybe because you should have come up with some other idea. Is there a ripoff called Never Funny? Uh, I, I, a lot of people say that's our show. So uh, <laughs> those are the iTunes reviews from you know uh, anywhere between seven and ten years ago. Maybe every now and then. I, I, I don't look there anymore because there could be a thousand great reviews and one bad one, and that one bad one's the one that sticks with me, and then I'm mad for a day and a half. I'm, I'm the same. It's the worst. It's like uh, that person took the time to tell you in, the, in, in a public forum that you suck, and it's like, ugh. And, and and you should and the truth is my brain understands it somebody should think you suck because that means you're doing something interesting mm. if everybody liked you you're you're milk toast you know you're nothing who cares i understand it logically i get it but when you read it in print jimmy pardo is the most unfunny grating voice person i've ever heard in my life it's like you know okay okay just hurt my feelings yeah or you know but anyway between we started in what, 2006. Between 2006 and 2010, let's say, we, we you know we got a lot of reviews that were like more like always not funny, and they all thought they were the first one to be that clever and crap all over our name. And uh, you know, but again, I don't read them, so maybe yeah. maybe they're happening every day, and I don't know they're still happening. But I, I can't I can't do that to myself. Well, on the, on the plus side, it's provoking a reaction either way. And I mean, as you say, it's 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 better to have a response than no response at all. Yeah, I mean, but, but you know, but, but I mean, we're needy performers, and so we want everybody to like us. So you know, it's you know, it goes back to grade school where you want everybody to like you, and then there's the one kid that doesn't, and it just drives you nuts. It's like yeah, you have your group of friends, and you're and you're you're happy, and you're going out and playing every day with your group of friends. But then there's that one guy that will just never give you the time of day, and that you know, you're obsessed with it. And that's kind of how these, to me, the comments are. And because I'm a needy, you know, insecure, you know, self-involved comedian, as we all are, and any comic that says they're not lying, we want that guy to like us too, you know. Yeah. And man, that's just, I guess, human nature. I hope. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely relate to that. I'm kind of have to deal with social media um, in a massive way because because I'm working on the site and working on Podnos and the network and trying to build that I have to kind of force myself to be active on there but at the same time once again because we don't really I don't feel there's a big creative community certain in the UK uh, in certain pockets mm-hmm. and certainly not uh, certainly, certainly only really just evolving now uh, for me in my group of friends so I find the social media is sometimes the only place where I can vent, but not in a kind of I'm so down kind of way, but necessarily I'm down, 
but I'm trying. Right. Or I'm saying this because I need someone to respond to remind me that I'm not going mad, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you kind of get you, your numbers, your, your followers goes down by one. And you're like, who's the who's who, the one? Who did I lose? Yeah. What did I say to piss that guy off? Right. Yeah, and and I th- it just it drives you insane. And and then like my dad last week um, said, like third person, he's not even on, on Facebook, and he went, oh, I've already been uh, been writing some quite uh, deep stuff on on Facebook. Uh, you know, you should really you know wear your heart on your sleeve publicly like that. And it's like it's, it's to the internet, as he says, not it's not the internet. It's people who well, I've chosen who can see that, and if mm-hmm. they remove me, then screw them basically. You know, but it's tell your dad to mind his own business. That's what I said to that. Yeah, I would never tell my dad that. By the way, in case uh, anybody thinks that I would walk the walk, I will not walk the walk. I will tell you to do it in, uh, with a lilt in my voice, and then uh, go and be scared of my father like I was when I was seven years old. He said, "Oh, well, I'm trying, just trying to protect you from negative opinion." I said, "Well, the only negative opinion I've had is from you. From you telling me not to do this, <laughs> yeah. right?" So, so I think that kind of ended the conversation right. there, but. I've I've experienced nothing but positivity. So when you do the festivals, for example, yeah. what, what's been your reaction to that? The very first year it happened, I was out of town. I think I told you this off the air, and I apologize for repeating it to you, but the listeners didn't hear us talking. I was out of town, and I, I could only get into town on the uh, the Sunday of the festival, and you know, we didn't know what it was going to be this this podcast festival. And you know, is it going to be? Is, are nine people going to show up? Is it going to be crazy? And then Matt Belknap, you know, again my producer and co-host of ten years, texted me. And he's like. Uh, this is the most positive energy I've ever been around. This is the greatest thing. And he goes, I can't wait for you to get here. And then I got there and literally, I mean, it was, I, I think it was Mike Schmidt who said this. It was like, boy, I feel like a king in here until Pardo walks in. And then it was true. It's like I walked in and it was, I've never been treated like this in my life of just all these podcast fans that just swarm towards me just to say hello to me. And, you know, I, cause I've been in their ears for, uh, well, it's, I guess it was six years at that point when the podcast festival started. Uh, the LA Podcast Festival. So it's neat to go there and just for these three days just feel like you're on top of the world. And 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 it doesn't seem phony. It doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem star effing, you know, to me. It's like, I think these people are genuinely excited to see you and and uh, and to be able to chit-chat and interact with them because, you know, I, like right now, we're not talking to anybody ourselves and, you know, you don't get to talk. We take phone calls every now and then on our show so we get to talk to people, but I love it. I love the community, and, and especially like for me doing stand up. When I go to do my live shows now, it's like they're all coming. You know, the podcast fans are coming to see me do stand up, which they may or may not have been doing prior, but they're doing it now for sure. And uh, you know, I get to hear their stories about you know what's going on in their lives, or you know, and how never not funny affected them or helped them. Or it's neat. It's a it's a neat. The podcasting thing is just a neat world and to think that you know at one point we thought about quitting you know like two years in we're like why are we doing this like this this, and it literally thought this podcast thing isn't going anywhere even though we're number one or two on itunes competing with the onion it's like but what what, but are we going anywhere it's podcast you know it feels like doing a ham radio or cable access tv show out of my basement who cares and then you know we soldier through and then i mean it literally exploded six months later and here we are yeah that's what i love about it as well is the fact that there's there's no negativity. Everyone is on the same page. And Well, in the community, there's no negativity. I mean, we were free for two years. And then at this time where we thought about quitting, we were like, you know what? I, let's try to make money. You know, let's try to – I'm a professional entertainer. And instead of going on the road to make my money, let's try to make money from the podcast. And so we did that, and we got a lot of hate mail. There's a lot of negativity. Because, like, how dare you try to make money from this? You're going to fail why don't you just do a donate button like everybody else? Why don't you, you know, it's like, well, that's because I don't want to do that. I don't want to beg for money every week, even though in a way I am by saying, hey, subscribe. But there was a lot of negativity in that. And I think there is still negativity out there, but but 
the people that come to the festivals or come out to see you at a show, that's nothing but positive energy. Yeah. And it's 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 neat. And, and you know, we're going to the festival. I don't know when the episode drops, but obviously this weekend we're doing LA Pod Fest, and it's, you know, I'm, our show's not till Sunday, and I'm hoping to go all three days and, you know, just really to walk around and feel good about myself for three hours. Yeah, and, and it's, I mean, it's just such an amazing atmosphere. I mean, it's, it's interesting as well that you say, I mean, in regards to the festival, this is an in, independent festival, and of course, there's another festival that's coming that we spoke of there. Uh, right. That's coming a month later. Which, uh, I, yeah, which Never Not Funny will also be appearing at uh, the uh, Now Here to This Festival uh, in Anaheim on the 28, 29, and 30 of October. I should, yeah, I should drop before them. Uh, All right, well, we'll, well, yeah. we'll be at that. We'll, we'll be at that one too, and yeah. and hopefully, and now that's a startup. That's a brand new festival, and hopefully, that'll be just as positive as 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 Podfest is. Or when we go up to Sketchfest in San Francisco, or when we went to Vancouver and did it as part of their comedy festival, and hopefully this or the the Nashville festival, which we were part of this year, hopefully that will have that same yeah. positive vibe. Yeah, I'm I'm debating about investigating next year because I can only do the one visit. Otherwise, I'd just stay for the whole month and right. and just do all the Halloween things at like Cine Family and places like that. You know, where I'd check everything out. Right. But I was going to say it's interesting you're saying about the monetizing side of situation because at the moment, for me personally, I'm putting a lot of money in, but it's not expecting or asking for anything back. Mm-hmm. I run the site. The site, every page on the site has been sort of put on there by myself. But then people have slowly come forward, and they're now really being helpful with um, create like behind the scenes. They're edit helping with editing themes, avatars for various shows if they need them. So kind of helping each other out, and I guess. I don't know, the four aspects that stuck out for me were advertising, merchandise, sponsorship, and donations. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, when you say sponsorship, do you want somebody, uh, do you want Pepsi to come in and Pepsi presents, and then you'd have other advertisers as well? Is that... One of our shows is called The Sitcom Club, and because they focus solely on British sitcoms, there's a couple of DVD companies that make that focus specifically on old-school, hard-to-find okay. shows. So they would be the people that I'd contact to say, hey, would, would you... Well, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And, and then, you know, saying if you can put the logo up on your site and saying, you know, we are sponsors of. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I guess you're right. So sponsorship and advertising would be different. I I guess in my head it wasn't because, you know, we just do advertising. and Although I, I'd be more than welcome to sponsor now that we've had the conversation. Happy to sponsor uh, Never Not Funny. Uh, it's going to cost means. you a lot of money. It's going to yeah. cost you a lot of money. Yeah. So yeah. I know you said a lot of money is going out and not coming in. Let's get you to spend more money. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to do that. Yeah, I don't know why you would, but yeah. all right. Yeah, no, well, yeah, well, why not? May, may as well. Well, having said that, I'll still be very much encouraging people at the end of the show to subscribe, of course, of course. and and, uh, and buy the merch. There's some merch as well. We do have some merch. We do have some t-shirts, uh, and we do okay with that. We're not one of the podcasts. For some reason, we uh, maybe we've just never had the right design that that clicked with everybody. But you know, like other shows, I know they sell a ton of merch. We do okay with merch. I think it's because we do charge money for our you know for the players club. I think that. that we're already asking enough of people to pay for that, for the content uh, for the show. And uh, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I, I mean, I would like for people to buy the T-shirt for no other reason. Like, we always keep it pretty reasonable. We don't really make any money on the on the merch. It's it's not a moneymaker for us. It's almost just a way of getting our name out there. If somebody wants to walk around with their Never Not Funny shirt on, you know, it's almost like see, when I sell a CDs at a stand-up show, I sell them for $10.00. And I make very little on it, and I but I don't care. It's not about making the money. It's about somebody enjoying my product, and and then going, hey, I love this guy. You should listen to it, and having more, getting more fans, and and that's how I feel about the merch for the podcast too. But uh, and, I, and I, or maybe I'm just making excuses because we don't sell them very well. But to speak to what you just said, what I found interesting, George, was 
when you said, you know, you're doing all the work on the website and all that and this, you know, we are also a podcast where a little bit now we're getting more than we used to, but other like Marin and even my friend, Pat Francis, who does rock solid, you know, he, he like the artwork every week is, is fan generated. And so fans are doing that work for him and like they've taken over that responsibility. So he doesn't, doesn't have to worry about it. And that's another thing that we never really had. And I don't know if it's because we, I love show business so much that I still like to be behind the curtain and I don't really like to extend that offer to people because I feel like, well, they're listening. That's, that's really their only job is to listen or not listen, you know, for them to submit artwork or, but lately Mike Henry, a great comic has been giving us jingles and, and other people now would be sending us some never not funny art and that sort of stuff. And it's neat to now have that be part of it. But, uh, so I think for you that will happen as well, or maybe it is happening. And, and so maybe that'll take some of that off your plate for you. I agree. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I think I think it's definitely working that direction. Um, we just celebrated our one year anniversary officially. First Wait, that's of, it? First of September. Yeah. I'm out of here. I thought this was a huge show. Well, you know, I know it's very popular. But... Uh, well, slightly but surely. That's the thing. Well, the thing is, is that with with PubPep, I mean, the main the main premise behind this particular podcast is to really make more people aware that it's a thing. Okay. Um, because in the UK, I think people are still a bit confused as to what a podcast is and what it can be, what it has the potential to be, uh, not just as a listener, but also as someone who can can go out there and do it and mm-hmm. express themselves. And I mean, my experience over there is there's not enough freedom of expression or at least awareness that people are ca- like people don't necessarily let themselves come out of their shell and make themselves aware that they are creative and capable of right you know putting things out there and putting themselves out there and that i think probably the for me maybe if you had the same as well um is is when you've spoken to people who have then come on board or got involved in some shape or form and they've said it's helped me come out of my shell and it's a lot yeah we've gotten a lot of that and uh, in fact even this uh, this past weekend i was in grand rapids michigan and in fact i think some are coming out to Podfest for that reason like they finally found their friends they finally found the group of people they should be with like they were loners or trying to find their way or they didn't know and then they they discovered never not funny and that made them feel like they had never not funny as friends and then they heard about Podfest and went to Podfest, and now they're, they've got this community of people that they are friends with on the internet. Now they email with each other, and and yes, they've come out of their shell because of it. And you know, they've either then I never thought to do stand up, or I never thought to do, you know play at a coffee house musically, and now they're doing stuff like that all because of. Oddly, I'm not, I'm not saying just my podcast, all podcasts, you know, whatever the hell they listen to. I think that's another thing as well why people uh, like to contribute in terms of artwork and so forth is because. To bring kind of bring back to what we were saying uh, earlier on, um, you know, if someone brings you a lot of joy, uh, albeit as a podcast or in a relationship or in a situation, you want to do something good for them because they they make you so happy. You know, and, and, and I appreciate you saying that because like uh, occasionally people will send us gifts, you know, it, which is fun. We, can, we open up. You, I mean, you, you're a listener, so you know that we open them up on the show and we make a bit out of it. And 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 so thank God they sent them in for that reason, so we can, you know, have, after ten years we have something to kill for seven minutes, but. But it always is that. It's always like I want in their letter, it always says, you guys have brought me so, so much joy, I wanted to give something back to you. And um, it, it's neat. I mean, it really is neat. It's fascinating to me. Hmm. The whole scene's fascinating to me. And I've been in it for 10 years. I was one of the, as, you know, as they say, I'm one of the pioneers in podcasting as I die in front of you. But it still fascinates me. And again, I think that's one of the reasons I enjoy going to these festivals and stuff like that and get to... You know, meet the people and shake hands, and then hopefully run like hell to my car so they don't follow me. Yeah, I well, I hope I didn't do that. Although I, I remember, I remember walking past you. We, like we literally just said thanks and you know, see you later. Right. And I think you saw me then walking out in the same direction. And I think you may have. I, I was concerned you thought I might was literally following you to your car. I, I didn't. Have to, but did I do my usual? We've already we've said goodbye, George. Did I do some I, big? 
yeah, demonstrative. Buy again. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I was going for a pizza, so I was just trying to find somewhere to eat around Where'd the corner. Where did you go for pizza? Where? There was a there was a pizza place. It wasn't very good, but um, there was a pizza place right by the hotel, like um, kind of little row shops. It's not good. It's not good. No, you're right. You're right. I know exactly what you're talking about now. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. So we were, we were talking about food before before we came on air. Is there um, whilst we're out here? Because I'm out here until Tuesday. Is there anywhere in particular, any food of any kind in Los Angeles, hands down, comes to mind straight away that you'd recommend to? Oh God, you know I'm the worst with this. I really am. I can't give you an answer. My wife and I, when if anybody says, hey, let's go out for dinner as a couple, where do you guys want to go? We both lock up. We don't know where to go. We're always looking for some place to eat. We have no answers. So I'm the worst for this. But I'm guessing somebody else will have a thousand answers for you. I heard uh, my manager, who's kind enough uh, to let us use his space today, uh, he was giving you some options. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gardens of Taxco for Mexican food is, is fantastic. That was a choice of his. There's a hamburger place here called McDonald's. Which is very, very exclusive. Yeah, I've heard they're pretty good. Um, I've, I, I've seen, I've seen that they've been going for a while. They've been going a while, but they're very exclusive to this area. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm not good at this ever, ever. Dantana's for Italian, maybe on Sunset. You're not far from there. I mean, you got to go way west uh, to get there. Uh, way west? I just say May West. Way out west. Yeah, Wild Wild West. That's the great uh, Wild Wild West. Who did that song? Oh, uh, that was... Um, wow, wow, West. I was going to say Mel Smith. He's a British comedian who died. Uh, it was uh, Smith, Will Smith. But it's not that. It's not that one. Oh, um... This um, is like a information society or somebody... I was, I was sort of doing that to indicate, you know, exactly who I was... With the sunglasses, whose name... Stevie Wonder? No, yeah, Stevie Wonder, yeah, yeah. It was not him. It wasn't him. No, it's like, it's a band name. The Commodores. No. That's them. No. It's, no. No. <laughs> Chicago. Uh, still no, no. No, no. it's not a. Uh, <laughs> no, I no. It's some eighties. Wow, wow, wow. Ah, who cares? Well, there was one that was uh, called like the Lone Ranger, I think, it's, and it starts off. It's not worth knowing, to be honest. All right, I don't know. But, but yeah, I, I suppose um, uh, in terms of uh, other places to eat as well. If you ever come to London, mm-hmm. I, I am I am good with that. So if okay. you said you wanted an Italian or you any any anything really uh, like a burger or things, I know I, I'm, that's my thing. Well, admittedly, when we were there in 2007, we didn't know what to do. Like I think we ended up going to like to whatever the Applebee's of London is. Like we went there all four days because it was like, well, we know what this is, we know what they're giving us, and yeah, so we're not good. Well, I, I think the equivalent we've got over there at the moment that's kind of... I mean, obviously, we've got McDonald's, but Nando's is, is the big thing over there, which is uh, kind of Portuguese chicken. And they've been going for probably about 10, 15 years hmm. now. And it's all right. But it's... It, with, I'll have to tell you off air, but there are reasons why I will never go. Okay. You brought it up, not me. Yeah. That's... You're the one digging a bigger hole. Yeah, it's true. It's what I do when, it's what I do when I don't know how to wrap things up. Are we wrapping uh, up? Uh, well, we don't well, have we, to. Well, but, I uh, have uh, nine minutes. Oh, okay. Well, actually, because you mentioned, we were speaking about John Hodgman earlier, and he, and what I didn't realize that Chris Elliott, as well as John Hodgman, both appeared uh, in a series called The Nick, which is my obsession at the moment. Is that a, the, the Showtime um, Cinemax, Cinemax rather, and who's yeah. that? Is that Clive Owen? Clive Owen, okay. yeah. And it's I'm I'm in love with it. Yeah, it's are. just yeah. It's 1900 New York City. It's only two seasons. I think the idea, I think Steven Soderbergh, the the guy behind it, yeah. he, he wants to do, he sees it as six in total, sort of one and two, then three and four, then five and six, with a few years apart. Those kind of two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Hodgman's in it. Uh, Chris Elliott's in it, like momentarily. Todd Barry who apparently filmed the scene but was cut out. Ah, uh, of course. You give him something to complain about on Twitter. Yeah. 
Exactly. Ooh, he's brilliantly funny. Todd Berry. He was over in the UK recently, I believe. Was uh, he doing a, a, a tour of some sort? Well, I, 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 it's, we've got two big venues in, in London, which it seemed, well, I say two big venues. They're the two venues that, that when people come over, they're the places they go to. Mm-hmm. And that's Leicester Square Theatre and Soho Theatre. So Paul F. Tompkins has done Soho Theatre oh. a few times. Jen Kirkman this year, I believe. And when, look, I don't know anything about the scene. When a Jen Kirkman goes over there, who... Maybe even people here in the States don't know who that is. Uh, brilliantly funny comedian. When she goes there, there's people, uh, nice-sized houses. Yeah, ni- nice-sized houses, um, good audiences, good responses. Great. Um, I, I went to see her, uh, her twice and both times as from my from from an audience. I mean, obviously, it depends on the perspective of the person performing, but from the audience perspective, it seemed like it was going really well. Great. Uh, Eddie Peppertone's been there a few times. Quite a lot of people coming by, slowly okay. but surely. It's, we got to get over there, I guess. You're talking me into it. If you do, let me know, and I will. I will put the feelers out. I'll spread the word. We'll get the uh, Never Not Funny UK fan page on Facebook sorted right. out. Right, all you nine guys will come. Yeah, yeah, we'll come every night though, and we'll move around the chairs. Thank you, for, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. but no, I, I think it's because I got the Comedy Bang Bang fan page up and running, and that's how we. Oh, we've congregated a lot of people to come to the U, the London shows. Okay. From far as I'm aware, they've now very limited tickets over the four nights in the four different venues. That's great. And this, the beauty of you know going going coming full circle, is that like you have Scott Ackerman and Paul F. Tompkins and, and various other people on even on the earlier shows and, and going up, going forward, we've got all of these worlds to discover through that. Because you know you might go, oh, I like the sound of this guy on this this show. Uh, oh, what else do they do? Mm-hmm. And then you go and check it out. So this is why you know I'm very grateful for Never Not Funny because it, it's not only pioneered podcasting over here, comedy podcasting, entertainment podcasting, but also. It's been a perfect route to other shows, right? And and I think, but in that, I think comedy bang bang does the same thing. Like I think we're the two that, at least from what I've been told, like we're the two. And I appreciate you saying that. But basically, just echo what you just said. Like we're the ones that drive other people to other shows. And maybe Doug loves movies too. I guess maybe this is what always fascinates me. I get a lot of people that go, uh, they come to my stand up show and go, um, man, I love you. You're my favorite Doug loves movies. Uh, Guest, I go. Oh, did you like? Uh, so you must love Never Not Funny then. No, I haven't listened to it yet. You haven't. You love me on Doug's podcast, but you never thought to listen to mine. But you just spent fifty bucks to come see me do stand up. All right, I don't understand that at all. But I'm glad to, that you're here. I have a theory. In, I'd like to hear it. There are certain podcasts that have a limited run, or they don't. They don't. You know, they they end sort of suddenly, or they disappear. But um, I think when there is access to so much mm. as well. I, and if you enjoy someone's work, I found this a couple of times where I've enjoyed someone's appearance on a show, but I haven't investigated their own show because I kind of want to save it. I want to save it. Interesting. For yeah, it's and it's certainly with the archive. I'm just gl- going through it slowly, chronologically, occasionally then dipping back in, into the present. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one of the ones I listened to, one of my favorite ones in the last year or so, was I believe it was Andy Daly, and it was the Seven Eleven. George, you know what? There's your answer. If you want to know what Never Not Funny is at its core, it's, what is that, 1702 maybe? Episode 1702 with Andy Daly? I think, it, I don't know, yeah. I don't know the exact number. That's the one. It's not interviewee, it is exactly what Never Not Funny is, where we all go to 7-Eleven at one time or another to ask why their sign is broken. And that kept, we all do it in our own way, and we laugh every step of the way, and it, I think that's got to be the, I think, I think that's my favorite episode of all time. And I like a lot of them. 
Yeah. Well, it's, it's, and also there's the field report element of it, which I think is really exciting. Um, yes. So, I mean, there was uh, the Analyze Fish, uh, the show Analyze Fish. Yeah. Um, they did that a couple of times and they, they went to the Hollywood Bowl and Scott took drugs on, on you know, and then and then went. And, and and I think those kind of there's I think so when when you when you have that moment where, you know, you can hear them through the through the, you know, through the phones. And, right. And there's the panic. But, you know, and then the, winning it and improvising and playing it by ear and then encountering real people who don't know what's going right. on. There's a real sense of danger to it, and but it's yeah, I I love feel that kind of feel reporting element of of shows. I mean, I think I do too. So uh, yeah, thank you for. I'm so glad you brought that one up. I really am because that that's it. Yeah, that's the uh, yeah yeah boy, damn it, that was funny. And I think the one the episode that was right before that with Rich Summer, where we wanted to find out who our new tenant was in our where our studio is, and so we were doing some like recon around the office and having like sneaking microphones over to try to talk to people. So we were, we kind of went through a little trend of that, but that Seven Eleven one is, I think it's perfection. I, and I know it's my own show and I shouldn't say that, but that's the, that, yeah. Thank you. Oh, well, well, Jimmy, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Oh, it's my honor. I know I it stinks. I, 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 I have so much to do today, but I could send her, I could sit here and talk, run my mouth all day long. Well, I, I tell you what. Um, next time I'm down, please. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be, and, and likewise, if you if you if you come to the UK first, it'd be a pleasure. I would. It would be our an, an honor. Thank you. A huge thank you to both Jimmy Pardo for coming on the show and to Bruce Smith for making it happen. Once again, please go to www.podcast.com, P-A-R-D-C-A-S-T.com, and become a part of the Never Not Funny Players Club. You won't regret it. Whilst you're there, why not donate to Smile Train in preparation for the next podcastathon too. In other news, Podnose is now on Patreon. Go to www.podnose.com and click on the Patreon link at the top of the page for further details. As of recording, it is very early days yet, but with your help and generosity, Podnose may continue to grow and develop into the creative community we envisioned. Further perks and monthly subscriptions are still to come, but even a $2 a month donation will not only help towards the development of the site substantially, but we will also be very thankful indeed. I've been your host, George Grimwood, and you have been listening to PodPit, the podcast about podcasts. Bye for now. The PodPit podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. For episode archives of PodPit and all of the shows on the network, visit us at www.podnose.com. You can also follow us on Twitter via at Podnose or send us an email via admin at podnose.com. Podnose.